Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Dabaoki, David Brothers, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, Christopher Butcher, you can follow along with our show notes and reading lists at mangasplaining.com. This week, I'm hosting. Hi, I'm Chris. It's good to, good to be here. Christopher, I guess. And we are doing Golden Kamui, a book that I won't stop <laughs> talking about. I first pitched it in the beginning of season one, I think maybe on episode five or something like that, and have been talking about it for the last few weeks. And finally, we uh, I made everyone get to read it, which is so exciting. I love this book, and I'm prepared for the whole team to just destroy me <laughs> by hating it. So, yeah, that's really likely. Wow. I, I was going to go right to it, but I was like, I almost forgot. Right. We have to talk about what the book is about. Viz Media, publisher of Golden Kamui, describes the series thusly. In the early 20th century, Russo-Japanese war veteran Saichi Immortal Sugimoto scratches out a meager existence during the post-war gold rush in the wilderness of Hokkaido. When he stumbles across a map to a fortune in hidden Ainu gold, he sets off on a treacherous quest to find it. But Sugimoto is not the only interested party, and everybody who knows about the gold will kill to possess it. Faced with the harsh conditions of the northern wilderness, ruthless criminals, and rogue Japanese soldiers, Sugimoto will need all of his skills and luck and the help of an Ainu girl named Asirpa to survive. Golden Kamui is at 28 volumes in Japan. We're at 22, 23 here in North America. It is a long-running series. And so I always feel a little bit bad about saying, okay, let's just read the first one because obviously it's building to this much bigger thing. But I also thought when I was recommending this, you know, Golden Kamui number one, I think it stands on its own pretty well. So I recommended it to my fellow manga explainers, and now let's hear what they thought of the series. Deb, you seem the most genki. What did you think of Golden Kamui? I love this book. I, I really do. It's just really weird just reading volume one again, because the stuff mm. that I find really compelling and amusing about it kick in in volume three. But like you said, volume one stands alone. It's the action. He sets up the story really well, sets up the stakes, sets up the characters. You get a taste of a little bit of everything. You know, that, that it's set in Hokkaido, it's set, you know, after the Russo-Japanese War, there's some hardcore action and gore. <laughs> there's some there's some cooking going on, too, and mm. a lot of Ainu history and culture. I think it's a fast-paced story. Interesting. Um, I, I don't have any problems recommending it to anybody, honestly. <laughs> Even with all of the gruesome violence, the, as I like to call it, Saving Private Ryan opening ah. of the first volume. I wouldn't recommend it to my mom, but maybe David's mom might enjoy David's it. grandmother. I think it's really, I think it's, re it's a good read. I mean, maybe it's possibly because you know, I've been to Hokkaido a couple of times. I've been to Otaru. I like that aspect of it. But I think it's well drawn. It's super interesting. Mm. It's really nice to get reacquainted with volume one because over the years, as the volumes have come out, it's basically a burly man fan service. <laughs> Wait a and minute. I, it has become that a little bit, yeah. And I forget that it's just a, a foundationally, it's a good story <laughs> beyond that. Hmm. That brings us actually then, I guess, to David. Would Did you like it? And do you think your grandmother would like it? I think she would like it. And I want to pretend like I didn't like it because you were so worried that one of us would hate it, you know? <laughs> But no, this is, it's a good story. It's, it reminds me that there's a approach to like historical fiction that 
Japanese manga has that we kind of don't in the US. Hmm. In that this is set during a real time, like after a real war, it incorporates a bunch of real life things. I'm sure we'll get into a bit later with the Ainu and the like social context of the time. But it's also kind of like ridiculous and dumb at the same time, you know? Like if Fast mm. and the Furious was also Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. <laughs> oh, I would watch that movie. Yeah, I would too. That's It'd a be great amazing. Description. <laughs> and, you know, kind of what I'm used to in American comics is more we either get like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen like elevated, this is art, you know, historical fiction, or like Shakespeare killing zombies. And this kind of middle mm. ground where it's like fairly realistic up up until they decide to make it less realistic and like make it an action comic is really fun to read. There's this, there's Vagabond. Bungo Stray Dogs kind of has a similar vibe. A Vinland Saga, which we read last week. Yeah, very much so. Very much the, yeah. kind of the exact same thing in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is fun. I'm into it. I think I read up to volume seven before I paused and then like kind of just lost track for a little bit, but it's more just because I have a podcast that makes me read manga all the time, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Chipper, how did you feel about reading Golden Kamui? I liked it. It only suffers in the sense that we read Vinland Saga last week, mm. which I think is better. Really? Mm. Yeah. So I was like, Same. so as I'm looking at this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's really good art. Not as good as Vinland Saga. There's some spots that aren't, you know, quite there. And even even story wise, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, there's uh, obviously, like we just said, you can draw comparisons to it. You know, hi- historical that kind of also is extremely unreal in a lot of spots. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, I found this one didn't didn't grab me as much as Vinland Saga did. Like, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't read Volume Two. Oh, hurts my feelings. Sorry. I mean, it's good, but I, I just don't think it's kind of my jam. I'm not as interested in the characters and where they're going to go. Hmm. Maybe because the setup is very much like, oh, okay, like, like, and knowing that there's 27 volumes, I'm like, this feels like Monster of the Week, except it's Map Back of the Week. (laughs) 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 Which, interesting. Which, you know, I mean, that's fine. And maybe, oh, I mean, obviously it gets better and more interesting as it goes on, like, because Deb attested to with volume by volume three. But as volume one, it's a nice little taster. And uh, I probably wouldn't keep going with it. There, the, I, I liked, it's one of those things like, I liked the f- fact that at some point in here, it became like an explainer manga about how to eat squirrels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, it's very distracting. Like, it, it, it just totally mm. just changes. Yeah. Like, the kind of the feel of the book as soon as like you spend like four pages diagrammatic squirrel drawings and kind of diving into the hat a bit. <laughs> but I liked it. That's the thing. It's like it, it there are points in the story where I was taken out of it, but never in such a bad way that I, I didn't want to keep engaging with it. So it's really interesting because the stuff that you're like the stuff that took you out of the story is the stuff that I actually like the most. And I have that oh, I liked about it. explainer manga. Yeah. Where it's like I I mean I I the Bridget Alverson who's like the nicest person whom I love gave me shit for liking boring manga on a <laughs> best and worst manga panel one year. <laughs> I was talking about how I really liked Shoah and but I didn't like the book she liked which was um 
dumb shonen manga about the like, oh, I've got a lock around my heart and all these different cute boys have a key. What will it be? Nisekoi. Oh, oh, oh. wow. Looks tra- that sounds yeah, that fun. Looks trash. Yeah, it's awful. And I was <laughs> wait, like, wait, yeah, I don't, you say I don't like that it. Looks and trash, like, but that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's awful. It's for 14 year old nah. boys. Very pointedly for 14 year olds. Yeah. It's, it is not, I don't know, somebody liked it. It keeps getting animes and <laughs> stuff. But Bridget loved it because it's like exactly a kind of like trashy romance, whatever. Like it, it is super good at what it is. And then she's like, yeah, well, if you don't like that, I'll just tell you, Showa is boring and you shouldn't like it. And it was like the Shigeru Mizuki book. And it was wow. like, yeah, no, I totally get it. Showa is boring as hell. Like it is like 1300 pages of what did Japan get up to between like before, during and after the war? Like fascinating. I'm I'm on board. Like I wanted to learn every single thing. I read the whole thing. But yeah, it is not for everybody. So, yeah, this one's like you got your explainer manga, peanut butter in my uh, action adventure manga chocolate, I think a little bit. So either you're kind of on board for that or you are not on board for that. You maybe have a peanut allergy and it looks like you do, but that's okay. That's okay. We forgive you. I was interesting, too, because we we covered Vinland Saga last week. It was unplanned that we were going to do Vinland Saga and Golden Kamui back to back. And I was doing some research for this week's episode. And there's a massive interview between... Makoto Yukimura, the author of Inland Saga, and Toro Noda, the author of Golden Kamui, oh, wow. where they just sit there and constantly express admiration for each other's work for like, <laughs> I don't know, 2,000 words. It's really an interesting read. I'm going to put the uh. like, shout out to Golden Kamui Central or Fansite, or I'm not sure your total official name, for translating that into English. Yeah, it's interesting because the things that the authors talk about are the things that I think each of you have kind of mentioned in turn about the book, where it's like, yeah, the, the dude who did Vinland Saga really loved like, oh, I love how much research you put into it. And I love how you like take time to like explain certain things. And I love that it has like lightness and humor. And it's like all the things that aren't in his manga. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah. like, no, we're not going to have like a four page explainer on how this particular sword worked. But we are going to get that in Golden Kamui. And likewise, he's like the guy who does Golden Kamui, Noda Sensei, was like, man, I'm doing this weekly. And like, I would give anything to have been able to do it monthly because the amount of care and detail and effort you put into your artwork really shows. And I have to cut corners and you never, ever do. And I appreciate that so much. And then the Finland Saga dude is like, yeah, I know it's killing me. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) you never cut corners. So I think that that's just fascinating that you've all picked up on these things that the authors themselves have picked up on. It's a really fun interview. My favorite quote is, Old men are cool. They have sex appeal. Please give me hairy but rough old men. And that is like the guy who wrote Golden Kamui. And man, as this series goes on, do we get some old men who are cool and <laughs> rough and hairy? <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. It's not for everybody, but it's it's pretty good yeah, stuff. You don't don't have a lot of that in here. Yeah, that's the thing. And so, Deb, I want to talk to you about Love and Volume Three, where all you, all the funny bits are. Usually, I assume it's with the escape artist fellow. Oh, sure, Ishi. Yeah, who only barely gets introduced to this episode. He definitely comes back and becomes one of like the core cast. And I want to talk about, like, I want to ask you about it. Like, what what about Volume Three? What about later in the series? Really, does it for you? Well, sure. Ishii is he's the escape artist. He can bend his joints and he can get out of anything, right? And then mm. he kind of has this magical orifice is where he just can con- think 
you're like, oh, you you need a bullet? I got one in my mouth, you know? Like, just all <laughs> kinds of, like, he's got this magic bag of a body where he just, he just produces stuff out of it. It's like, what? <laughs> magic bag of a body is a great quote. <laughs> it's incredible. But yeah. the part, there's a part in volume three that there's this first moment where he kind of finds himself, you know, just kind of like gets into a room. His body's contorting, goes, hello. And he's got his face. And then thereafter, Nora sensei takes that face, cuts it out, and plasters it all over the comic, like like clip art. Like, <laughs> do you remember when like Where's Fraction Waldo? and Aja put Hawkeye's face over Hawkeye's crotch? Yep, yep, it's yeah. that. It's that. <laughs> oh wow! At, at the end of volume three, which is not in, I don't think it's in the free part in Viz, but there's a part. There's a there's a short story where Asper is playing whack a mole. And the things oh, yeah. that's coming out is Shiro Ishii's head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Anyway, so it's just absurd. Like in the yeah. rest of the manga, it's just like violent and dynamic, and you know, there's high stakes drama. Then there's this part like, oh, Ainu culture, and Ainu culture is this indigenous culture that you know has been like persecuted in Japan, and which I can relate to from as from a Hawaiian point of view, you know, that very mm. similar where this native culture gets kind of pushed aside, people get pressured to give up their traditional culture to assimilate, and then the mm-hmm. culture comes back. But it has its own separate language, old separate you know, religious practices and food cuisine and all this stuff. So what Golden Kamui does single-handedly is make it visible to a Japanese mm. public who didn't normally know about it and respect it the way that yeah. they did before this manga came out. But then there's also the part where Aspira, who's like this little girl, right? There's this running gag where she decides she doesn't like to eat something and she makes these pathetic faces. <laughs> <laughs> and then that becomes this running gag, right? Because there's this running gag where, you know, the, the Sugimoto wants to put miso in the stew. And she says, that's poop. I don't want to eat yeah. poop. Why are you putting poop in my stew? And it's just this running joke on how she makes these faces all the time. So from volume three on, there's there's still always that, that action, that drama, that I knew culture, that I'm cooking something, or this is how you hunt something, something. But then it becomes these running gags that insert themselves that are both ridiculous and endearing, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. The cartooning is really charming. I was just going to say, that that sounds... Yeah, I kind of wish I kept reading to volume three at least because like her character in this is like just like a blank template of a character who's just there to kind of explain customs and she's like Pocahontas, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. But then she starts picking on more personality as a young girl, and thankfully, she's never treated as an object of desire. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. a real danger. Oh my god, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Please <laughs> well, don't make the little good. girl an object of desire of the older men. Not yeah. until she passes puberty. Yeah. <laughs> this series has so many, kind of speaking to Deb's point, like there's at least three different pitches you can make for ongoing series with just what's in this book. There's like the funny mm-hmm. escape artist, like Fast and the Furious vibe. There's like the veteran home from the war working with a young girl to kind of, you know, get rich and maybe regain his honor and humanity across uh, along the line. There's like the Shinsen Gumi guy who's hanging out. There's all this stuff going on and it's such a strange mix, but I think the slapstick is what kind of brings it all together. 
because it's mm. very serious sometimes. But like Kira Ishii and Sugimoto, when they fall in the water and then <laughs> well, trying to like avoid <laughs> hypothermia, that bit was killing me. Yeah. Like it's yeah, so the end dumb. Of the first volume. <laughs> yeah. And that's a that's a hint at what what their relationship is going to be like in upcoming volumes. If yeah. Think, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like remember like when we're reading Phoenix, right? The one thing that makes Tezuka hard is Tezuka tries to insert humor into some very serious stuff. And I think sometimes it just doesn't work or mm-hmm. it falls flat or it feels off-putting or incongruous or like he's just amusing himself. Whereas the humor as it's put into Golden Kamui, it's a little weird, but I think it's necessary because it otherwise would be an unbearably heavy book. Yeah, a great example is I was flipping through while we were talking on page 180, they're blowing on the fire to warm themselves up. And if you're looking at it mm-hmm. in landscape mode as like a spread, if you flip to the next spread, it's someone cutting someone else's throat off and someone with a severed arm bleeding in the background in like the exact same mm-hmm. spot on the page. <laughs> like there's definitely a little whiplash going on. Yeah. But it's great because the action is still satisfying, I think. Mm-hmm. Like the way the fights go down, even with all the explaining, there's a lot of like work that's done through exposition. Like, oh, this weapon does this at this speed and that lets us do that. But like the actual drawings of the fights, like the stances people take, the like faces they pull while they're fighting, all that stuff looks really fun to me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like chapter six with Shiraishi being choked by the ropes and, you know, they're like, we got our second one. Great drawing, like this <laughs> superb cartooning. Yeah. It is funny because I actually started reading this when I, after, right after I recommended it, I think three or four, maybe five or six episodes ago now. And I didn't look up from it until like chapter 20 because I was reading wow. the chapters. Oh. The chapters are free on the Shonen Jump website right now. You could just keep hitting a button when you get to the end of a series as opposed to like buying the digital book and then reading the book that way. It really is in my head a whole thing. I feel like the chapter divisions, I think the, the volume divisions are feel fake to me, especially the volume one division where this it's interesting because we read Vinland Saga and Vinland Saga was presented to us as a two in one. We got not only that first volume that establishes the past and like, you know, the dad and the son when he's just a little boy and what's going to happen. But we also got the second volume where we would actually get to see sort of some of the present day stuff and the tricks that are going on. And, you know, like we get a little bit of both. We get that whole journey. And if it had just been half of that story, I don't know that it would have felt as successful. And I think that this is this is why it's so interesting to me that in Japan they made all of these chapters available online for free as part of the like, okay, the series is gearing up towards its final conclusion. Go and read and start over. Because I think a lot of people will like read a volume and be like, oh, it's pretty good, but like not necessarily continue. Whereas once every volume, every chapter is available for in front of you for free, you just have to hit a button at the end of the chapter. I think it creates a very different reading experience. Yeah. But that said, I think the last chapter of this book, I think you guys are right, that the tone that it hits there, where basically these two guys who are like, one's an immortal killer, the other one's a total goofball, but has like special abilities, are about to die after they fall into ice water and freeze, and they've got to like save themselves from death. So you get that slapstick, but you get really good action, but you really get like explainer manga on how to start fires and all that. And you're like how to save yourself and what to do. Like you get it all rolled into one. And I feel like that's maybe the first example of it actually working at the same time. And it, you know, I think future chapters do that to better or greater extents than some of the stuff in volume one, but better or lesser extents, I guess I want to say. 
But yeah, for sure. I think that there's a lot about the tone that's a little bit whiplashy. And by the time maybe volume four or volume five rolls around, it's solid. It's, I think, very, very solid. When does, there's a judo guy whose name I cannot remember. Oh, the guy with the block in his head? No, yeah, that's, when does yeah. he show up? I think volume three. Okay. Yeah, he shows yeah. up in, at, at, he shows up at volume three, but you don't get the really good story with basically the whole town, like the outlaw Josie Wales kind of whole town <laughs> in a gunfight breaking out of a prison situation with like both the army and the Shinsengumi and yeah, that's volume uh, four. Sugimoto and his crew. Yeah. That's volume four. And that's how that sort of story ends. And it's like, after that point, if you're not hooked, like then yeah, this series isn't for you. That's when they start becoming like Spider-Man villains. <laughs> like he's got a block on his forehead. What's up with that? I would even say Dick Tracy villains. Like they're- oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tracy's yeah. better. Um, yeah. But the, sorry, Chris, say what your point was again. I lost it for a second. You were saying like, when does, when does that character get introduced? The judo character. And I think it's oh. like, yeah, that, that big fight in volume four, where like the a whole town, volume four, volume five, where like a whole town gets involved and all of the villains or all of the players, the major players mm-hmm. are clearly established. Like the army is established, like the rogue army guy, the, the, the escaped prisoner Yakuza who's introduced at the end of volume one but we get to see him on page. Like all of these characters are clearly established. Their motivations, their capabilities are all there. And from that point on, I think like, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think that's awesome comics. Like that whole sequence is just killer. But if you're not into that, yeah, this is not the same for you, yeah. but I think judging it on volume one is tough. And I think that that's a big part of, that's a big part of, hmm, of being human, like trying something. The, the problem of manga in North America. Yeah. Maybe like, but maybe it is just a larger thing and it's about being human, but like, man, if this was, it was $4 a week to pick up a chapter of this, you know what I mean? Along with 300 pages of other comics, Mm -hmm. just to see what's out there and what's going on. This is one of the standouts in that manga. That's it. Like that weekly manga. You know what I mean? Like you're excited about it and you, it gets you hyped and it's like, oh, you get like, it's like getting the, like one 10 minute block of a TV chat show and you want to tune in again next week to get that next bit and that next bit. Yeah. Whereas like one volume like this, I don't. And you and if you're getting it a chapter at a time, you know it's not communicating everything that it is every time it has a chapter. Whereas a volume, you're supposed to feel a certain way about it. But like that's just we're getting a different serialization merit method in North America, mm-hmm. and I think it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit strange. I think probably one reason one reason why it's so striking as it goes on and kind of builds and builds is Noda gets better. Maybe that's wrong phrasing. Noda finds more opportunities to do like iconic images, really memorable moments. Like the mm. judo guy, there's a fight where he's, I think he's fighting someone in a house. They end up falling out of a window during the fight. And it's yeah. such a good moment. And I don't even remember exactly where it is in the book, but it's like, it's stuck in my head as something that's like, oh, this is why Golden Kamui is cool. And I think that's uh, one doesn't have a whole lot of that yet. No, it doesn't. But it, it really amps doesn't. up very quickly. Chip, did you have a question? Well, I was just going to ask David why he stopped reading. Because I read a ridiculous amount of comic books. Like if I listed my Kindle budget for the year, you know, there'd probably be an intervention or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I got hired shortly after, I got hired at Viz shortly after I got into Golden Kamui. So it kind of, I suddenly had access to all of it, but then it became like a homework thing. So I put it yeah. aside. Mm. But yeah. it's one of those things where I know whenever I pick it up and read a new volume, usually like three or four volumes at a time as, it, as they release, it's going to be good or entertaining. Yeah. It's like one of those series where you like it, but you don't necessarily need to check it out like every week, every month. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it makes hmm. sense. Yeah. Like I watch what we do in the shadows in like bursts of two or three episodes at a time. <laughs> yeah, I'm you the know? same. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. Makes sense. You always have something good to look forward to that way. It's yeah. like people complain about their to re- to be read stack, but I feel like that's such like a cool thing to have because I can go you know to a stack beside my bed and find literally anything I want, whether you know it's Hokkaido Ainu heist comics or Hokkaido radio drama comics. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So funny too because I don't know how much Golden Kamuya I've read. It's just one big story to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep clicking on volumes here on the Viz website and being like, oh, yeah, I did read that. So I've read up to volume nine. Okay. Volume 10. Yeah. Maybe volume 10. It's all a blur. Yeah. And I just, yeah. it's all just like one story. And the, the, the volume dis- distinction seems so artificial. Um, I have, oh, tell us about the artificial volume system. Then I've got a point related to that. No, go ahead. I want to actually hear. I've talked so much. You, I yeah. want to hear what you have to say. Well, you remember last week we were talking about how narrative kind of stresses you out a little bit. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about it after and while editing, and I realized that I'll watch a comedy like two or three episodes at a time. But for something even like say Star Trek TNG, I'll watch one episode a day, and like that's like the pace that I set. Mm. Because if I watch too many in a row, I'll either kind of burn out if it's intense, like Breaking Bad. I can't do like back to back; it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> or okay. the stories will blur in my head to where they become one mass, kind of like what you're saying about Golden Kamui. But for yeah. me, it doesn't, it's not like a pleasant one mass of story. You know, it's not like a chunk mm. of Golden Kamui. It's more like, why can't I remember what happened between A and C in this story? So mm. I tend to kind of pace myself in my reading a little differently. And I think that matters mm. a lot. Like you were mentioning the serialization. That, I think that definitely is a factor. Because if you have Golden Kamui hitting every week, it's easy to buy into the weird stuff, like the sudden tonal mm-hmm. shift, because 12 pages later is going to be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just go, sort of roll with it. Yeah. But it's, I am I actually do read until I get burnt out when I love something. I think that's why I stopped right around volume, apparently, <laughs> 10 or 11 the first time. It's <laughs> because I was just like, oh my God, there's more. I actually really got into it. I had started reading it before I came on at Viz. And then I was at Viz in the office and I'm like, there's just the ta- the shelf of manga you are allowed to take home. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I could just read the rest of Gold Kamui. So I was <laughs> in my hotel room in San Francisco, just plowing through Gold Kamui <laughs> volumes after I had worked at Biz all day because I loved it so much. Yeah. Wow. And it was just like, and then I, I was reading an insane amount of manga in that first like six months of working at Biz. Like not just Viz titles either, but like possible acquisitions and things yeah. like that. So like to go that hard on one series yeah i totally burnt out on it but i never had anything but like the grandest like warmest memories of my time with it but yeah yeah, now that now that it's all i I mean i say now that it's all for free if you have a shonen jump subscription they're gonna pull this down any day it's gonna be like it's gonna be like when we did look back where they pulled (laughs) it off the the website (laughs) like the day that we released the podcast it's free and you can read it without a subscription up until the monday before the podcast goes live (laughs) unbelievable so i I don't want to jinx it i don't want to jinx it but like Yeah, if it's still up and it's every chapter is free with a Shonen Jump subscription, like just read to your heart's content. It's the kind of thing where you're not going to like you can especially like the first chapter of volume two is so good. It's so good because nice. it's him and it's a Pierce. I've been calling her Aspira in my head, but it's our Arsurp, a Sorry, <laughs> I do that a lot with names, actually. Yeah, wait till you heard the Vinland Saga episode. It's great. 
Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I need to have these written in big letters with pronunciation guides off to my left so I don't screw it up. But it gets good. And then by the time they're in the house with them with the shifting walls, that series is like cackling laugh out loud funny. Like I'm glad you enjoyed the they're almost freezing to death. Like I was definitely smirking <laughs> all the way through. But like yeah, the and then the fight is so badass when they're like in the town and it's like a, a full on like Western. It feels like to me. Yeah. But by the time they get to the house with the shifting walls and the dude who is so horny, he's like, it's like, it's a little bit throwback to dude who's so horny that he's busting through walls looking for this lady. It, it's real. You have to keep to, going. Chip. You have to keep going. <laughs> that sounds Hulk. like my life. So I don't know why I need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Based on a chip story. Yeah. Based on a chip story. <laughs> Chris, I've got a question for you. Choo, choo. Not to make you talk more on the episode that you're hosting, but you're I might clearly, defer to Deb. We'll see. <laughs> you're clearly a huge fan of Golden Kamui, and mm. there, you have a variety of reasons why. But what got you in the door in the first place? What made you pick it up? Hokkaido, actually. I have friends who live in Hokkaido now, and I've always been, um, hmm, not always been, let's rephrase. I think the Ainu story and Hokkaido is really interesting. Mm-hmm. It mirrors a lot in a lot of ways, what happened in Canada with the native peoples in Canada, the, the, the disparate native peoples in Canada, but it also is its own thing. And I feel like, you know, I'm personally trying to come to terms with, with that, with, with what happened in Canada. And I feel like looking at how other cultures handled the same situations can be illuminating in a way. So I was really excited to hear that this thing was going to be set in Hokkaido. It was going to feature a lot of well-done research about Ainu culture and life and and how things happened at the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s. Mm-hmm. And that was what got me in the door. And I was not disappointed. People saying, oh, and then you get to learn about the food and you get to learn about this and that. And it's just like, yeah, I want to, I want to, I like comics that teach me things. I like explainer manga. I liked mm-hmm. Oishinbo to learn about Japanese cuisine. I like Showa to learn about, you know, Japanese history. And I read a lot of North American comics that, that try to do the same thing as well. And that was like the the hook for me. The fact that it's basically like a slightly smuttier Indiana Jones with all of that other stuff in it as well is actually kind of icing on the cake. Slightly. And slightly smuttier. <laughs> uh, less problematic Indiana Jones in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I that was the thing that hooked me. But it's because it hooked me up front so much. It is. It doesn't surprise me when it's also the thing that isn't what people are into about the series. I've actually heard like, oh my God. And if I have to sit through one more description of like what people ate 150 <laughs> years ago, I'm like I'm never going to read that book again. I don't care. And it's just like, that's legit. Like that's not why people pick up books all the time. It's not why anyone goes to anything for entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people just want to be entertained, but man, I wanted something more because there's a lot of entertaining manga out there. And frankly, that's actually why I like this a lot better than Vinland Saga. Like, yeah, Vinland Saga is beautiful and I think better drawn, but I actually like the cartooniness of this a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I like how much gayer this is, but also I like that. It, I feel like, oh, I feel like I learned something. So that when I went back to Hokkaido before I went with you guys and I went to like the Ainu wing of the Hokkaido museum, I was like, I was, I had a, I had my entry point already. So that I'm going through these museum exhibits and I'm like, oh, right. That's what this is. This is the practical application of this. This is how it, you know, what it looks like in real life versus the drawing. Oh, it's really close. And it's no wonder, like, it's no secret that the actual Ainu Museum, which opened after the last time I was in Hokkaido, has like partnered with Golden Kamui to like mm-hmm. include the characters and stuff like that. He's been a huge booster of Hokkaido. And this has been a huge booster of Hokkaido tourism as well, which is like, I think all like 
secondary or even tertiary to telling an entertaining story but it's all in there as well which i think is really good because if it wasn't entertaining they would have just canceled the manga there's no way it's getting (laughs) 28 volumes it's not how the manga industry works you know what i mean yeah is he from hokkaido no that's what's so crazy actually that's awesome i'm gonna say i don't believe so but his last manga before this was about ice skating ice hockey ice hockey So maybe he's just got like a hard on for Japanese like winter sports or something like that. And, this is really in the north. Snow. Yeah. Uh, where is Satoru Noda from? You're, we're getting live show notes research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he actually was born in Hokkaido. There you go. He's born in Kitahiroshima, Hokkaido, Japan. So there you go. Which okay. is not Sapporo. Not one of the big. Uh, it's not too far. It's like southeast of Sapporo, about a third of the way to the coast, which yeah. is not too bad. Yeah, I think that that's that that's actually kind of fascinating that that this is something that he wanted to tell a story about where he's from yeah. and the people that were there before him. I think that's cool. The integration and exploration of Ainu culture in this was really fascinating to me for similar reasons actually. Mm. That like this is the stuff that I also like in books. Like if I can get someone getting beaten up and also explaining like interesting history simultaneously, that's like best case scenario. And mm. there was a Japanese remake of Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven that came out in 2013. Okay. Which I obviously needed to get and i imported it <laughs> and it's pretty much a one-for-one translation even down to like the time period it takes place only the like native americans the indigenous population are replaced by ainu and some of the characters oh, in, really? the, okay. in the movie are ainu and they run into huh. some of the same there's like a hint of the prejudice in volume one of golden kamui yeah but yeah. like unforgiven turns out really great in japanese too you know still a stellar movie and mm. Like seeing the fact that it translated so easily to another setting in another language and kind of another struggle, but a similar colonial, you know, like atrocity, I guess is the best word for it. Yeah. Yeah. It was both like saddening, but also fascinating. Like I immediately needed to know more similar Mm. to you. I haven't made it to the museum yet. I would like to someday, but I think this series. It's cold. Watch out. It's called Watch Out. Oh, it's cold. Oh. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. I don't do, I, for, so for the listeners, I don't do well in the cold at all. <laughs> we we went in November. Yeah. It made our trip to Hokkaido very interesting. Yeah. I know. But yeah, like having that pop cultural entryway to learning about something new is one of my favorite feelings. Even if it's just learning mm. about like learning about Gundam. It's fake, it's fictional, but like there's a really interesting history behind it. And yeah. kind of an interesting fake history that they built up inside of that. And figuring that out alongside like watching cool cartoons is, I don't know, it's a bonus. I really liked that about Vinland Saga too. And some of the other manga we've read, I'm trying to think of, well, Paradise Kiss, I mean, was full of historical drama and information about the 90s. And I think that's true. <laughs> that's true. If you, that's a stretch, but okay. <laughs> I mean, look, look, a, lo- a lot of uh, our listeners probably weren't born in the 90s. Don't depress me, man. So it actually is kind of important. (laughs) (laughs) That they learn about the 90s through Paradise Kiss? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Mm. (laughs) I don't know, Chip. So, Chip, was there any scenes in Volume 1 that you thought were particularly well done? Uh, Much like you all, I I did enjoy the the frozen lake trying to start the fire scene. That was super funny and interesting. Yeah, there are... Not, not as much scenes as there were. Like there were some pages where I'm like, "Oh, that's really well drawn or paced out." Mm. When the one guy was like sliding off the edge of the cliff, yeah. <laughs> like the, that page in particular is is really well paced out and has a really nice layout. There are some layouts where I'm just like, "Oh, I don't know about this," but mm-hmm. 
when a strong layout hit, it was like, oh wow, yeah, this is this is really good comics. I thought it was really interesting that moment where they catch the first guy, they tie him up to a tree, and then the next he's telling them a por- important secret. The next scene is a full page where he's just getting shot through the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. and it's done in such a matter of fact way. It's like, oh, interesting. Does that feel more like an animation trick or a comics trick to you? Because I feel like there's like comics are still images, but there's an implication of movement in there. Mm. And then mm-hmm. also stillness. Like the mm. shot comes out of you can see this in a movie, I guess, is if you mm. run it in your mind. But does it work as like comic storytelling? It was so unusual to me because it was so not dramatic. It, yeah. was, it was just a regular, like if you shot a photo of that scene at a straight on look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have boom, and then it's and then they're the, 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 if what has just happened barely registers on Sugimoto as Asper's face. Yeah. Mm. And so I thought that was a really interesting approach because otherwise he draws action in quite a dynamic way. Yeah. Very yeah. intimate. Yeah. That was, that was interesting because it shows that he has different ways of showing, you know, key moments. Mm-hmm. I liked the, I think I liked the scene where he and the other soldier were punching. Like it's like two panels of just them punching each other out. Mm. I like that one a lot. Oh, the double the, the, spread. Mm. Yeah. Back to the, the splash of him getting shot. Mm. I found it interesting because like I had to, I had to actually go back and figure out what had happened. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but that actually really suits it because in that page, because they are just kind of like just watching it and not having a reaction. It, like in that moment, it's confusing as well to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one I like a lot. The when they're punching. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the, that's the double page. and yeah. that's Ogata, right? Yeah. yeah. I wanted to talk about this page because the reveal of that guy being shot is on the facing page. It's not on the next page. Mm-hmm. It's not we've having this dramatic moment where he's shot, but it's so understated that at a glance, when you open it up and you're looking at this as a spread, and you start reading in the upper right hand corner. And you can sort of take in the double page spread all at once. It doesn't immediately register that he's been shot. It doesn't immediately register that he's dead at the end of this double page spread because you're taking in this visual information, but you're not necessarily processing it. You go, no, 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 that's what we called him. What do you mean by that? He didn't have a face. And then the next page where it's just like, if that had been a more dynamic, like the guy had died in a more dynamic way, if there'd been like a bigger gunshot or something like that, and it was on that facing page, it would have immediately ruined it. Mm-hmm. You would have known that he was dead mm-hmm. as soon as you opened up to that double page spread. But instead, it's so understated that you all, you can even miss that he died. Mm-hmm. And that's something that it's like, oh, that's comics. That's not animation. That's like a really good comics moment, I think. That's true. Just knowing how it's going to read as a spread and underplaying it, but still having the information there. Also, shout out to the sound effects on that page. I was just mm-hmm. going to say that, yeah. Spack. Spack. Zwip. Zwip in the top right. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Which is the sound of the bullet just just traveling. Zip. Yeah. Spack. It's amazing. <laughs> also, there's that scene where the guy who reveals to him about the about the plot with the gold and stuff like that, that he later finds him buried in snow. Oh and, yeah. And then he, he's dead, and then he pulls him out and and his and his uh, midriff has been completely carved out, like eaten yeah. out. So there's some super interesting ways that he, you know, he unfolds things. I mean, like 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 Chris was saying that it starts off with this Saving Private Ryan intense battlefield scenes where 
you know, chunks of people are flying off and, you know, they're like, like their heads are being blown up and people are being, you know, shoving fingers and eyeballs and being impaled with, you know, it's kind of, it's an intense start. Yeah. And, and then one thing that struck me about reading volume one is that, because I've been reading the later volumes, I forgot about the romance part of Sugimoto's motivation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the fact that he's doing this because he wants to, you know, go back and help his childhood sweetheart who married his best friend get life-saving eye surgery. I completely forgot about that in, all, in the recent <laughs> volumes. Like, oh, that's right. He's straight. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't marry her, so that's something. He's just trying I, to help out I a friend. <laughs> just a just a, a lady, bro. Aspira's reason for wanting the money totally overwrites in your head the reason that Sugimoto wants the money, and he's just helping her out. By the time like the second or third volume rolls around, and you start to learn about what her motivations actually are around her dad and her family and the things that happen to them, I think is really interesting and like. It starts to get to a point where it could be like a bit of alternate history. Like what if there was money to resist colonization and colonialism mm. from mainland Japan? And it's this is going in a fat, like fascinating way. Like it might end up being like this is just what history was, but it might end up being not. You know what I mean? Like he's he's left enough room there that he could tell whatever kind of story he wants to by the time it gets to the end. And I think that that's like you, he's based it in enough real life stuff that it has like that gravitas, but mm-hmm. it, it could also go in a completely different direction. And that's something that I'm really excited about as like, Oh man, I just, I just want to keep reading. (laughs) Actually now you've reinvigorated my spark for reading this from talking (laughs) to you guys about it. There's one thing that this and Vinland saga have in common. It's not so much in volume one, but it really builds up is like a beautiful relationship with nature Mm. and kind of the outdoors, whether it's like landscapes, you know, beautiful mountains or, you know, humans and bears, their relationship. And that's a really, it kind of is what turns it into an explainer manga nine times out of 10, but it's interesting too. And I like kind of seeing people having that conversation with each other about like, what is man's place? What is humanity's place in nature? How can we yeah. exist alongside things without, you know, ruining it forever? How can we use nature to help ourselves too is something else that's really cool here. A lot of the traps and things are always playing on like, things you would find in the forest that normally you wouldn't notice it unless you were very aware of what you were doing, unless you had that close yeah. connection with nature. Yeah. It's cool. It's nice to have like a deep, violent manga. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because there's a ton of violence and like hilarious, like slapstick violence directed toward escape artists in the, 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 I think it's the vulture crane story where they're trying to capture the vault, like the giant bird to get the feathers for arrow flechettes. That whole story, that whole sequence is like kind of a one-off. Like it would be like a standalone one-shot if this was North American Comics Publishing. Yeah. But it does like, it does tie in like all the things you love about Golden Huey and also environmentalism, but also they're still going to kill a bird. <laughs> like, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of loved, I kind of loved that part of it too. Yeah. I wanted to point out one of my favorite bits of cartooning and probably any of the books we've read is on the page where he has, has to eat the squirrel brain. <laughs> yes yeah it's such a good face like summing up a, an ex- expression and a feeling that i don't think i've ever seen summed up before in a comic that becomes the trademark like yes. that kind of face that actually the scenario of him eating a thing and like being punished for it yeah super good 
And don't worry, she gets to make faces about having to eat gross stuff as well. It's it's everyone gets a chance to be grossed out by whatever is put in front of them. It's <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Have you ever cooked anything from this, Chris? No, I don't. No, never. You're uh, not into squirrel brain. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had squirrel before. I've had lots of game meats and things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. It's not. Good. There's a reason we farm other animals now. For a second, for a second, I thought you said gay meats, and I'm <laughs> no, like, I had no idea that where this uh, was going. Where this yeah. is going? <laughs> yeah. The squirrel is a particularly homosexual meat. No, it's uh, game meats. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah. deer and squirrel and bunnies. Yeah, I don't really like I would it. love to read that think piece, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming soon to Manga Splitting show notes. Yeah. It's just two sentences. It's fine. It's funny, too. We're talking. is like, just keep opening up later chapters. And I'm like, no, I've definitely read this. So it's pretty. Yeah, maybe I will. Uh, maybe I will go back. All right. So. We've talked around this. There's a lot to talk about, and I mm. feel like we've just scratched the surface. We could keep going indefinitely. Long story short, I think we all agreed Chip needs to just give volumes two and three a try. They're <laughs> very quick reads. It'll be okay. I'm I'm so busy. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. You gotta uh, turn the pages for him, Chris. That's the only way yeah. this is gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. All right. Well, you, after the break, we're choosing manga. I'm choosing Golden Kamui volumes two and three. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey. <laughs> there, there ain't no get rule it, against it, it. that. <laughs> there is no rule against that. <laughs> I got to ask you, Chris, because yeah, yeah. at a certain point, this manga becomes, uh, how do we say? Hunk of the week manga. A little bit. Yeah? A little bit. And it's like, so who is your favorite Golden Kamui hottie? I can't choose between all who my favorite is of all of my children. That's not fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I, have a, I have a soft spot for Sugimoto all the way through, but. But what's your favorite piece of gay meat? <laughs> There is a scene where they are all in like a sauna that comes later in the series where they are all like sweating out some impurities. And it's like all of the dudes of the series so far in this sauna. And that like three quarters of them are just bears. They're like just big, burly, hairy dudes. And they start to realize how homoerotic the situation is. They're like, we should work out some of this tension. Let's sumo wrestle. And so they all start sumo wrestling. To like, like exercise and like direct their like untapped sexual energy into like a phys- like a physical pursuit that isn't gay. It's like totally fine to do that. And then they do that. And then at the end, they basically come out of the sauna after it's after it's done. And they're like, "We must never speak of this." And that's how the chapter ends. <laughs> and it's oh, really it's fun. So it's really really good. So, a question: Is the author gay? I don't know. Does it matter? Well, I mean, he... it's just it's it's just an interesting thing to like start off like this and then build up to basically just gay. Well, speaking of essays, yeah, homosociality and homosexuality were practiced and much more prevalent before the arrival of Western Christianity. Basically, uh, the official arrival of Christianity in the 1900s. So. Yeah, there's lots of dudes banging because that's what was happen, happening at the time. And that's yeah. who was around. And so if you're portraying this like time in this place and it's just like, yeah, you're going to have a lot more homosexual or homosocial, let's say, encounters. And you're going to have it, a lot more of that. It going sounds on. like more than that. It sounds more like like the artist it's is manga. clearly he gets to have fun. <laughs> I know, but the artist is clearly like knows pandering. what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say pandering, but like is like, oh, yeah, here's some eye candy for my readers who I know love big burly men. But also, he loves them too. Yeah, that's He's what I'm on wondering. record. Yeah, you know, it's just something that's not asked, especially in Japan. 
So maybe we'll find out one day, but he's certainly very gay positive. And yeah. he's the guy. This is the guy who gave the pull quote. Who gave the positive front cover book quote to a Yaoi manga that was published a couple of years ago where he's like, What are you doing? Why are you trying to give me an erection with this hot manga or whatever he said? And it was just like, <laughs> Oh, there you great. go. Like yeah. regardless of whether he is or isn't, he certainly doesn't give up what people think. And that's right. actually pretty cool. He's it is. Like ton, like one of the characters, Tanigaki, who has like these intense sideburns and stuff like that. I've seen Opai mouse pads oh, with yeah. his chest. Oh, I have seen those. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, Opai mouse pads are basically uh, like you know the wrist rest is basically these humps, and usually yeah. it's the char- it's a woman character's boobs. Hmm. With the Golden Kamui version, it's Tanigaki's chest. All right, massive, interesting. Massive chest. I've Very also impressive. seen the one with the solitary gourmet, where the tube humps are two scoops of rice. We all get off on something. So yeah, yeah opai mouse pads. I'll, 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 I saved pictures of some of my favorites. There's one with with raccoons with two bags of trash. Amazing. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> all right. What I like most about this series of questioning is now I have some great excuses to look up some images for the show notes. Thank you all. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that a great yeah. deal. <laughs> Speaking of, do you think Amos from The Expanse would fit in in Golden Kamui? I have never watched The Expanse. Ah, well, you should Google that, and I'll give my final thoughts while you do that. <laughs> yeah, do it. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> Yoshitake Shiraishi, the escape artist, is one of my favorite characters and one of my favorite types of characters because he's... Mm cowardly venal and extremely talented and Mm. there's just something about that combo where it's so rare in real life but in fiction like he's unpredictable except that he's going to make the bad decision and it's so fun to read about characters like that to see him you know goofing around the hypothermia thing like him holding his head and being like oh my head's about to split open and then still trying to make a deal to get away scot-free like while they're like literally dying yeah so good also, that was a great splash page, too, just of him coughing up the cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a funny... It, I, I like the decision to make that a splash page. Like, oh, here we go. Here's the big moment. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and his face is so gross. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like really that type is. of character in this kind of story leads to really fun things, I think. Like, laugh out loud comedy, but also, like, good, good setups for action. Yeah, because well, he's I'm, I'm, inexplicably yeah. talented. I'm glad to know he continues because I really liked him as a character in here. I liked him better than the two main characters for sure. Yeah, he's uh, a don't mess. worry. He's he's it's a it becomes a triumvirate all the way through from from sort of the end of book three onwards. They sort of stick together with like little passing. I guess they they leave and come back a little bits at a time. So mm-hmm. it's the core trio of the book. All right, maybe I'll read Season, it. Book two, <laughs> book two. Uh, maybe actually it would have to be books two three and four maybe really to sell it and maybe that's the problem is that you have to like want to read it so that's my final thought i think is that i think it's all there and it's either going to grab you or it's not i think it'll grab you i think it's a it's pretty solid but like yeah it's there's no denying that it gets better and better and better as it goes on yeah i think he should have just done a better job of grabbing me with the first volume but i don't know agreed It's tough to tap Don to Don on that regard. <laughs> <laughs> it really like like I think if we reverse the order and I read this before Vinland Saga, I would feel probably different about this. Mm. Yeah, For sure, that makes yeah. sense. 
But I mean, all the schlongs De- come in later volumes, so this will this really does pick up. <laughs> Deb, did you have any closing thoughts? I think we've covered. Oh no, it's just really great to get back to reading volume one again and rediscovering mm. why I liked it. I haven't. I I had been buying every volume until like volume twelve, and then I just lost track. So now mm. that I'll sit down and start rereading again, I'll start buying the volumes again. It's a really good manga. I enjoy reading it, but I'm a binge reader, so. <laughs> I like just getting a stack of something and just powering through it. Hmm. And this is very good for that. 23 volumes available now. All right. Well, this has been Golden Kamui. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back after these important messages from hopefully our sponsors. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And we're back. Hopefully that was as entertaining as the rest of the episode. We're here for a reader Q&A this week, and we wanted to do a quick one because I think it's, <laughs> I think the answer is self-explanatory to a certain degree. Kevin Schaub from email, via email, I should say, writes, what is your opinion on using honorifics in anime, manga, and video games like San or Sama or Kun or Chen? Do you have a hard and set rule or do you judge on a case-by-case basis? And I think that that's a pretty straightforward question that has no answer, personally. <laughs> I, think I have an answer. Hey, this is answer. such a tangle of a question. You said it was quick. <laughs> it's going to be quick because <laughs> it's going to be like, it's going to escalate to a point that we have to stop the episode. And it'll be <laughs> so quick. But Deb, what's your answer? If it's set in Japan, then yes. If it's not set in Japan, no. That's a controversial take, Deb. Sorry, what are the honorifics? <laughs> so, it, a son is generally like Mister So and So or Miss So and So. All right, it's a neutral. It's a neutral honorific. Kun is towards a younger boy, or you know, like sometimes you'll use it for a girl's name just to kind of like as playfulness. Okay. Chan is for girls or a young young person. If I go Chip Chan, that means I'm being cutesy at you. And you could, yeah. you, you and would, you would and I be, won't, I won't stand for it. You will, you will rightly be a little annoyed at me for that. Yeah. And yeah. it's a little familiar. And then there's like Sama, which is like a Lord or God, like, uh, like towards a God, very highly respected. So like butcher Sama, Okage Sama desu ka. Mm. <laughs> it's very polite. So then, it, and then there's Senpai, right? Like Senpai is you are the older, you're the upper classman. And there's Nisan or uh, like brother or Nechan. Like sister, bachan, it means auntie. So sometimes you can say it like aniki is like like brother, and then like you'll hear that with yakuza, like mm-hmm. oh that's my brother, man. That's my that's my that's my bro. That's that's the guy in my gang. Mm-hmm. Or I respect him. These levels of respect are important in Japanese, but if it's like set in, I don't know, Attack on Titan, which has come this quasi European thing, I see no point. <laughs> 
So basically, hmm. translators have the opportunity when they're translating to either leave the honorifics in when they're referring to a character, like, for example, in Golden Kamui, when he probably would have been referred to as Sugimoto-san or Sugimoto-san like over and over again, and just leaving it out and referring to him as Sugimoto, which is his last name, like they can either leave it in or they can take it out. And yeah. because it denotes how the characters relate to one another, it's a hard thing to translate because there's no direct way to translate it. It's about it's it offers insight into how the characters talk to one another, how how they how they communicate. So the prevailing idea in sort of the viz side of translation is to leave it out because leaving in a Japanese style honorific means that you haven't fully translated the work. Yeah. Leaving the honorifics in though conveys more meaning to people who understand what the honorifics are supposed to mean. So maybe it's actually a better translation. It's an answer that it's a question that has no real answer. Everyone just has a personal preference. I don't miss it in Golden Kamui, honestly. I don't miss the San, the Kun, any of that. Yeah. I would say even more than personal preference, I think for a lot of people, it's more a pet peeve. Mm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when it, but it's a pet peeve on both sides, when it is yeah. done or it isn't done. And so there have been works where honor, honorifics have been added in. There's a popular video game series that was doing that for a while to make it seem more like quote-unquote Japanese-y. Eh. Like, <laughs> as a setting. Personally, I understand them, but I'd rather not see them as a reader. But mm. like Deb's rationale of like if it's set in Japan, it makes sense. Like I'm like, that's pretty hard to argue with, you know? Well, it feels it feels like it's part of the challenge of translating. Like you have to Absolutely. get across the idea of the honorific without using the honorific. Mm-hmm. 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 A lot of times that comes down to word choice overall. More so than like having that specific like yeah um, subordinate to this person. Yeah, exactly. Some things are like un- unique to Japanese mm. culture, and I think it's I think in Korean culture too, where this status thing it, it indicates how familiar you are with somebody. But also the use of last name primarily for addressing someone, mm-hmm. and using a first name is considered extremely familiar. So, like, there's all kinds of things in shoujo manga where there's that moment where the boy and the girl agree to call each other by their first names. And it's, oh, it's this heart-fluttering moment. Like, oh, it's this major step in their relationship. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's like, great. You said Jim. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the names thing is funny to me because I grew up in a military family. So, I'm used to being just brothers. Like, I've never had, like, a proper nickname. I've just been brothers my whole life. Oh, wow. Mm. And on the first name front, whenever someone calls me Dave, I'm like, oh, I can never be friends with this person. Like, that's like a deal breaker. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. too familiar. Plus, I don't like it. I'm, like that, so I'm like that with Debbie, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you get it. Mm. But I'm up. okay with it. I mean, I won't like, you know, go, <gasps> like, I'll just kind of go, I'll, I'll make that Espira face, off. like. <laughs> to find a chance to like mention your name the right way in the conversation. <laughs> But like Chris, at the top of the podcast, you introduced yourself as Chris or maybe Christopher. Yeah. This is the first time I've actually called myself Chris on the podcast out of 40 episodes, wow. 40 plus episodes. I usually refer to myself as Christopher in all of the writing I do, but you guys only refer to me as Chris in all What's of the What's funny is every time stuff. I do it, I think, should I be saying Christopher? <laughs> <laughs> you should. My mother is very upset with you right now. How long have uh, I known you? I'm only hearing this now. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's fine. No, no, no one notices because it's just, it's. Mm. it's because it's how I've, bec- I've come to be known. And that's actually mm. totally okay. And I think it ties back to this, the question a little bit. It's, this, it's the same thing as, there's a lot of debates like this in 
manga and anime fandom. It's the dubbing versus subbing thing mm-hmm. where like subtitled voices or dub- dubbed voices are better. It's it's so many things. It's it's so many things about this fandom about like at the end of the day, the best answer is learn Japanese. <laughs> always learn Japanese. Yeah. The second best answer though is trust that the person who is translating the work has done their best to communicate the intent of the work to you. And it doesn't mean that translators are infallible. Far from it. In fact, any translator who suggests they're infallible is the likely to be the worst translator, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that goes for people who are doing it on both sides. And I think I think Ranma Half without Ranma Kun and Ranma Chan referring to the boy version and girl version of Ranma, losing those would have been a huge loss. It's part of the mm. flavor of the series and what makes it like fun and weird and a little bit quirky. You know what I mean? Whereas, yeah, if they'd been calling him Sugimoto-san every single time he was mentioned, unless it was someone screaming his name in anger, where they dropped the son and you know that they're serious then, that would have been annoying as hell. And I think it, I think it honestly just is case by case. And I try to trust what the translator wants to do, but mm-hmm. I think there's nothing wrong with leaving it in if it's if that's what the work calls for. If you're trying very specifically to communicate a tone and a style and how characters interact with one another, leaving it in makes perfect sense. I think having any hard and fast rule of how translation should or shouldn't happen is actually the mistake, not whether you choose to do whether you choose to not have notes in a manga instead of incorporating it into the text or whether you choose to add honorifics in or whether you choose to do anything like hard and fast rules are are no good. It's about every individual project and seeing what suits that work best. That's my feeling. Yeah. As long as it's good, anything goes is sort of the rule of all art. I feel (laughs) if you can stick the landing, like, you know, Godspeed. Mm. All right. Well, that, that, see, that, was, that wasn't that too bad, right? That was pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Reasonably quick. <laughs> the answer is whatever you want it to be. <laughs> As Elaine said. I just started to appreciate it when I started reading Korean comics. And then the, the, mm. the moment where it's familiarity is like, Opa, like mm. the, the girl calling the boy Opa. And it's like, okay, whatever. Uh, Opa Kanna style. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I didn't know that it was like this term of endearment that makes. The guy go, oh, she likes me, you know. I was like, oh, okay, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that either. Was there, was there, was there glossed? Was it glossed at the bottom to explain? Yeah, there's that, tiny. Or are you just supposed to know. There's it? tiny type because there's all kinds of oh, there's all kinds of honorifics in Korean that I didn't like. Like Hyung did not know this. Mm. So mm. yeah, I guess I, the, I I say that because when I encounter Korean culture like that, or Korean storytelling, that reminds me. Oh, that's what it feels like when you don't know Japanese and you encounter this stuff. <laughs> it's like when I went to the Indian grocery and then. I would look at the book box and I'd say, the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. This it, reminds me, we need to register <laughs> manwasplaining.com immediately. Oh, shit. Get on that quick. <laughs> <laughs> let's all learn about, let's all learn about, it'll be the four of us learning about manwa and then 12 <laughs> other people explaining it to us every week. And we'll yes. just keep going out by like orders of magnitude with every new podcast that we start. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's pretty good. 16 of us all talking at once. <laughs> it'll be perfect. Thank you so much for the question, Kevin. And that brings us to this week's shout outs. Uh, who would like to go first or would you like me to go first while you dig up your information? I'll go first. Mine are super short and easy. So go for it. My first one is please buy the comic that Caleb Goldner and I did called Apollo Kids. <laughs> you can find it at davidbrothers.gumroad.com. But more importantly, I finally started watching Columbo after my entire life not watching it. And huh. I like it. No one mentioned the first episode was like an hour and a half long. And I started <laughs> at 1030 last night, but I'm into it, you know, to no one's surprise. I love detective stuff. I love 
people who know more than they say but behave otherwise. Like that kind of character is really cool. Yeah. Check out this new thing, Columbo. It's going places. <laughs> I actually like Columbo a lot. I used to watch it. It was uh, syndicated on afternoon television, especially staying at my grandma's. It was that and Law and & Order and a couple of other, what was the other the program that was, oh, the Avengers, Steve and Mrs. Peel were mm. the ones that I liked watching in the afternoon. So yeah, nice. I think, I think somebody pointed out to me that like in the first episode, Columbo, Peter Falk is like 34 or something like that. Like Really? Like he's not old at all. And that actually made me not want to watch it. I don't want to watch a guy younger than me be older than me. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed everyone in the King of the Hill and the Sopranos around the same age. For yeah. season one of the Sopranos, which kind of yeah. messed me up a little bit because I'm also <laughs> that age now. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, why did I always think Columbo was in his 40s or 50s? I think it ran yeah, so right. long he ended up in that range. I, yeah. Yeah. I okay. Actually look it up and yeah. determine this. But as a kid, yeah, I was like, oh, it's like an old dude being a police officer. That sounds super boring. And as an adult, it's like an old guy being really annoying to criminals. So <laughs> They don't make them like that anymore, do they? <laughs> no, they really don't. No. <laughs> Bring back Justified. <laughs> I remember yeah. Monk. Bring back protagonists that aren't in their twenties. I did not watch Monk. Have you guys seen that? The, the OCD detective. Mm. It's kind no, of like similar. A, a yeah. friend of mine was a writer on it. Oh wow! Producer. It was like his main gig for years. Tom Sharpling, the radio host. Oh, oh I didn't know guy. that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his main gig. It's oh, it's fun. No it's worth watching. Oh, is that your shout out this week, Deborah? Did you have something else? Ah, uh, my shout out is Night Beyond the Tricolored Window. By Tomoko Yamashita. I've been watching the mm. anime on Crunchyroll, and it's a basically it's a it's a boys' love manga that's suspense crime supernatural story. It's about an exorcist who meets a guy who can see ghosts, and they kind of solve these mysteries, these murder mysteries together. It's kind of like Banana Fish mm. in that way, that in that there's a strong homoerotic element to it, but there's an interesting suspense story, and then it's about the, the main character, the blonde character, is quite damaged inside, and how and mm. the other character starts out straight, but they somehow start becoming attracted to each other. There's a lot of interesting drama going on. It's it's a really interesting boys' love sus- a suspense story. I like it a lot. That's cool. cool. That's good. Sublime has the manga now too, so that's worth checking out. My shout out is actually for a BL as well. Ooh. And it's because I think you and I were talking about, so spoilers, Deb and I were trying to figure out a BL, like a real BL to recommend to Chip now that we've actually made him read BL Metamorphosis. And we were sort of going through and yeah, it's an apocalypse out there. The manga apocalypse, as they call it, there's nothing in print right now. So we were trying to find something that was like brand new, actually in print, also had a digital edition for Chip to read and the pickings are slim. So and wouldn't switch you grabbed... out too much. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't kind of care about that. Okay, but, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'll let Deb decide that if it, it's too squidgy or not. But, but uh, yeah, actually, me. I picked up one called that I'd had recommended to me for so long called Go For It Nakamura, which is super cute and so wonderful. But it is so unlike actual BL manga that I don't, even though it's technically called a BL manga, it I don't know that it would Not be a good one to read the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to recommend it here instead because it's really good. It's about this boy who's in the high school and he's completely in love with his classmate. And his classmate is sort of popular, not as popular and outgoing and, and smart and funny, but not the most of any of those things. He's just like 
an all around well liked guy, but he's not like the, the popular kid or the athletic kid or whatever. And he's got this huge crush on this boy. And it's just playing out these and it like it, it ramps it up a little bit for dramatic purpose. So he's like blushes and he can't say words and whatever. And it's like a little bit <laughs> dumb in that way. But also it's really cute in all the other ways that it makes it worthwhile to have like a romance, like a coming of age kind of a thing. Totally, totally cute. And I read it and I really like it. And there's a sequel called Go For It Again, Nakamura. And it's coming out <laughs> And this summer. time you better mean it. <laughs> <laughs> you better, you better actually Don't get go that guy, it, but. Nakamura. <laughs> But it's like so cute and sweet and doesn't involve almost any boys love tropes that I don't think it would be a good pick for manga explaining. But it was a really it was a really sweet, if somewhat unfulfilling read, but it, it still had a sweet ending. So I would totally recommend it. And I didn't look up to see who the author is. Shundai. 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 Uh, Shundai. One word. And then the sequel's coming out this summer. So check that out. Cool. Chipper, did you have a, a shout out to end the episode? You know what? I'm going to shout out David and Caleb's comic as well. You can get it on Gumroad. It's uh, super fun, short. Yeah, yeah. feels like uh, it could be the beginning of something really cool, too, if uh, David and Caleb wanted to revisit that world. Yeah, call us Netflix. Yeah, so you you should get in on the ground floor, is what I'm saying, and and buy it now. Also, I just want to say that I looked up Peter Falk's age, and he was 40. So I'm I'm off. Oh, Oh, thank God. But still, 40... (laughs) 40 feels young to me at this point. Mm. 40 used to be a lot older, I think. Like watching a bunch of old TV, like Spencer for Hire. I got really into Spencer for Hire last (laughs) year. Spencer for Hire, wow. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Maybe men didn't use much sunscreen then. I think that's part of it. Like we didn't really have like a skincare routine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Haircuts were a lot worse. It just all added up to just men looking very old in their early 30s. Smoking will do that to you. Not enough water. So young kids. Actually, smoking is probably the big one. Drink. Oh, yeah. Drink lots of water and don't smoke. Yeah. You won't regret it. And wear sunscreen. (laughs) Mm. Well, I'm off to get a glass of water right now. (laughs) (laughs) This was a nice episode. I had a nice time, guys. Even though Chip didn't like my book as much. I liked it. it. (laughs) He liked it. And that's okay. He liked it. He just didn't like it enough and now I i'm like so it. worried it could, about it could just Nausicaa be better all of my other uh, <laughs> all of my other cho- choices i'm just not unsure of everything but it'll be fine, it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> next week i guess and so from myself and all of the manga explaining crew thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week i liked it This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 41, Golden Kamui by Satoru Noda. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be reading Wotakoi, volume 1, by Fujita. Please consider supporting your local comic and manga specialty shop, and you can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. Or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can follow along with our complete reading list and much more at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.